Um, I might have a problem because my computers, all the other keys work, but F no longer works for me. Uh, did you pay your respects to a uh, fallen soldier in Call of Duty? He's just so hard and just so fucking like energetically and repeatedly. <laughs> Like you slapped the case of that coffin just over and over again. Like, mm, that's my boy. 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 You think I was too is respectful a- is the problem. I think you paid your respects too hard to the fallen soldier. And I think you slapped the top of the coffin. And I think you did a little conga beat. And then I think you did start singing Cuban Pete in the middle of the funeral. And Russ, we've this is actually an intervention. You got to fucking stop doing that, man. I, I mean, some people like it. It depends on the scene. One person has liked it. And it was Jim Carrey at his papa's funeral. He he busted a gut. But you do it in video games. You do it in real life. And you, need to, you need to fucking stop. You know, I'm playing a numbers game at this point. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best game of 2007. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I know the best game of 2007. My name is Chris Plant, and I am somewhere <laughs> under the sea. My name is Russ Froschick, and I know the best game of the sea. <laughs> okay, oh, I like it. Welcome right. to the besties, where we celebrate the latest and greatest in interactive home entertainment. It is a game of the year show that goes, uh, no, sorry. It's a game of the book. It's a book of the year show that is games for videos. Uh, But right now we are taking a break from the latest new releases. There's so many passing us by that we are just willfully ignoring uh, as we delve into 2007. So far we've talked about Portal. We've talked about Modern Warfare. Those episodes are available for you to enjoy if you have not yet. But today we are, as uh, Mr. Plant alluded, headed under the sea for Bioshock. This one, more than the others we've done so far, probably gave me the most whiplash. Huh. Like, I feel like okay. I had expectations for Portal, and Portal matched, like, was exactly what I expected. Call of Duty Modern Warfare was exactly what I expected. Bioshock is maybe the first one of these that, while playing it, I was like, wow, shit. This Griffin. is so This is so much different than I remember it being. Can you give a basic idea of what the game is? Because... There are a lot of people who listen to our show who actually have not played the game. Whoa. That is very We are going to be spoiling, by the way. If you've not played Bioshock. It's very hard not to spoil Bioshock, I feel like. Because yes. a lot of the Correct. a lot of the uh okay, there's like two things I feel like two facets of this game that you should know. The first is its lineage in like the system shock sort of genre, which is to say uh the RPG shooter, which it's so funny to talk about now because it's like everything is a fucking RPG shooter now. Like every game that comes out is, uh, is uh, you know, uh, the the new Super Mario game is an RPG shooter. They all have Schluter mechanics no matter what. <laughs> I hate um, that. <laughs> but this game had uh, a, a lineage in System Shock, which was a franchise that people really loved um, by, what was the studio that... Looking Glass? Looking, Looking Glass, yes. yeah. It was a thinking um, person's uh, first-person shooter. Yes, and it was, you know, the, that that franchise was beloved, and uh, so when Bioshock came out, like, there was a lot of heat behind it just for 
that I feel like there was because those games weren't just like, you know, cool because they had RPG mechanics and, and shooter mechanics. They also had like the dankest atmosphere uh, and in, in environmental storytelling, which is a term that you're probably going to be sick of by the end of this episode uh, that that, you know, there had been in, in, in games that far thus far. So when Bioshock came out, like a lot of people were excited about it for that reason, but also because I feel like this was a capital P prestige game in the like uh, the tone of it and the subject matter that it tackled. Uh, rarely did you see games like really, really pile on a political message as as firmly as Bioshock did as uh, and back in 2007 like i feel like it was huge for those reasons because it was unlike it was big and cool in ways that like games that were coming out back then did not sort of feel and it is so wild to play that game 13 years later and it's not a knock against the game it's more just like how things have changed that like all of that stuff feels so dated like so crazy dated and and played out at this point at the at the time sorry russ you were about to say no i was gonna say do like do we need to like even like say what the game is yeah let me just like a little bit more so what what griffin's talking about is uh the, the game is in conversation with a single book it is in conversation with the Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. I mean, it, it gets into all Randian objectivism and there's other things, but really, like, that's why it felt prestige. Because maybe for the first time, a big AAA game was like, here's a book, and we're um, going to have a conversation about it through, through the lens of a video game. So there is a world under the ocean, not a world, a city under the ocean, built by a Randian objectivist named Andrew Ryan, and he has allowed all of his his best pals uh, to do really whatever the hell they want because this is a libertarian paradise. Um, and that means people are gene splicing and, and you can change your race or your gender as they uh, shout from the speakers at the very beginning of the game. Um, or you can, I mean, effectively, you can do literally whatever you want. There's no law. There's only, there's only a free market. The most transgressive art imaginable which is just a lot of dead bodies yeah it's like if we jump through your headphones right now and stabbed you in the brain and we're like podcast art Uh, (laughs) that's about the level they're acting on so you go from one place to the next engaging with the different i would say kind of like businesses or artistic venues that exist in this thing so dealing with like what does medicine look like in this mm-hmm. here's a hospital level what does commerce look like here's effectively a mall here what does art look like okay here is a theater artist um and those people end up being boss fights uh <laughs> and and that is like the story of the game we'll obviously get into it way more uh, other things that sort of at the time felt very novel uh one the and and i think why this made such a big impact at the time one uh aesthetically games didn't look like this um still this don't still yeah still really don't, still don't. i would argue yeah um it is a this hybrid of like art deco and steampunk i would say if that sounds fair mm-hmm. um and, and and it is an aesthetic the games don't have and it's sort of an aspirational aesthetic where a lot of games at that time weren't reaching for it it was you know you were very much playing in the aesthetics of film and tv and uh or just uh, like you, you this know, is a military base or this is exactly a science right. laboratory whatever like generic things the other thing that was massive and that i'd like to address specifically is environmental storytelling um and that is something that is so ripe in 
this game, and I think I feel like inspired so many game. I mean, for the next decade, really set the standard for environmental storytelling. So many rooms that you walk into have a story in them that does not is not laid out for you, but is is there is not dictated to you, I should say, but is there in the room if you are willing to like poke around and, and look for it. Um, what I think personally is really interesting about that specifically, and and a lot of the tone, honestly, I think the aesthetics too. Uh, was inspired by a show called Sleep No More, which Ooh. I'm not going to get off on a tangent about. But uh, Sleep yes, No More are. is a, a small tangent about. Thank <laughs> you, Kevin. Correct. It is a th- immersive theater production that was initially in Boston, where I believe Ken Levine saw it there, from what I understand. And it is very much about going into a room and having the story sort of like you absorb it through osmosis. You're looking at things and trying to piece together the story that way. Between that and like, especially there's a lot of like uh, Hitchcockian music cues in uh, in Sleep No More that are used pretty frequently. And I feel like um, you see some of those in Bioshock and I think some of the aesthetics and stuff. When I went and saw Sleep No More for the first time in New York, it was after I'd seen Bio- I played Bioshock, obviously, and it really clicked. Um, it's not copying; it's it's like a real, actual, like influence, like artistic influence that you can really feel uh, if you've if you've seen the show. But yeah, environmental also, storytelling, audio logs. I feel like were I, I don't think this was the first game to have audio logs in them, but this was the game that at, when every game that after made it, it had made audio it logs. legally mandated mandated yeah, yeah. I, I think th- it was the first one maybe that had audio logs where you could just hold down the a button as soon as you pick it up and it would automatically play it while you do other shit and that was enough for me to be like oh now i'll actually listen to these because i don't yeah. have to like hop into some fucking menu and like read and sit there and just have the story done to me it can it can be a like component of the gameplay like reloading a gun like it's that yeah. it is that integrated so so i know we've talk there's a lot to like go over specifically about like the dated nature of it and stuff like that but i did want to talk just briefly about the like first 20 minutes of the game for a second yeah because i think that's probably what gave me the most whiplash is the first 20 minutes so that's interesting i don't know what specifically what you mean by whiplash but just to sort of like break it down the first 20 minutes again uh if you played the game will be very familiar to you you start off in a plane the plane crashes you uh wake up under the water and you swim to the surface and there's the light there's this lighthouse and you go into the lighthouse and you're basically just slowly introduced to this world of bioshock through like a slide projector and uh, rapture through like a slide projector and um you know you float through in this bathosphere and there's whales and shit and skyscrapers and stuff like that um i think as an introduction it's still fucking spectacular. I think it's really, really good. I think um, the only like beginning intro that like stands out to me that is on par is Bioshock Infinite, which is a game that I yeah. didn't really like, but also has it a fucking spectacular introduction um, that follows obviously a lot of the same tropes. Uh, but I, like I'm trying to think like they're trying to introduce you to this very weird world that you've never seen before. And I think they do an amazingly good job of not even easing you into it. You're literally thrown into it. But it, I think that's like, I think that's what works that's, about it. But that I, I my only hang up with that is that this time around, for whatever reason, like it seemed so rushed. It seemed so rushed and so hurried. Huh. You're in a plane crash. You swim to the surface. There's a lighthouse right there. You walk in the front door, and then it's just like the lights turn on, and it's like they're having a lot li- a libertarian surprise birthday party for you. <laughs> uh, and you get in this bathosphere, and then there's some dude like the government wants to take all your milk or some <laughs> shit. And it's like, what is what the fuck? 
fuck is going on? It's like, I built this incredible undersea city and I wanted to be like, for whatever reason, this is the first time that it seemed absurd to me that I was like, I was just in a fucking plane crash. <laughs> Did we crash into your shitty lighthouse in the middle of the ocean? It shouldn't be there for, the, for I mean, some reason. This is addressed at the end of the game. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, that's the, that I, I know, the I know. I know exactly why it happens. Like, there's, there is a, a capital P plot reason for it, but like... Yeah. I, 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 it just, I don't know. It seemed just so, now murder this guy. Murder this guy? W- okay. But yeah, yeah, again, that's like the whole, uh, well, the A, that's the whole point. But B, I would also say like, I think a lot of it has to do with like your prior knowledge of this world. So like, I remember when I was first playing it, it was at a preview event at like some random place in New York City. And I knew very, very little. And they let us play through the whole introduction and like the whole medical level and the, uh, you know. That came after it and i remember being like super overwhelmed like holy shit like i'm not even like following some of this stuff there's so much that they're throwing at me and now because i know the whole arc and i've thought about this game for 10 years it right it does feel somewhat old hat but i do think that rushed nature actually works in the game's favor because it does for people that don't know anything um, it doesn't let you absorb what's going on yet you kind of have to do that over the course of many hours um, so this mm-hmm. is kind of like a slap in the face. And now you're like, oh, wow, this is weird. And now I'm going to jump in for real. Okay, I'll, I'll get one thing because I want to go back to something you said. And then obviously we can talk about the twist because it's a whole thing. But you, you, you talked about um, Rapture and uh, the idea of environmental storytelling, right? And again, I, I just want to like underline, and I have a feeling most of us can relate to this. This game, when it was released, was revolutionary. And it's still very yes. good. The problem is obviously that tons of games have borrowed ideas from it mm-hmm. and since done them better. So going yes. back, it just feels a little jarring. And the thing that really struck me is I remembered Rapture as being the pinnacle of environmental storytelling, right? Like, oh my gosh, they built like this city and it's using all this artistic inspiration from like traditional art, like you said, not just film. Um, you know, this it looks like fine art at times. Um and replaying it, what I was shocked was how dull I found the actual city. Like, I, I don't think, I think mm. the city's fine. You look out a window and it's always like the same stuff out in the ocean. It looks kind of bland. The The architecture is fine. It's good at the beginning and I think kind of falls off. But really, the environmental storytelling in this game is just dead bodies. Like, that is that is what gives this game its entire environment most of what you see is dead bodies um, that have been like twisted or mangled and left to kind of like a thing, a thing happened here and now they're dead. That's the story of pretty much every room you walk into. Um, And it's, I think it's why the Sander, so there's an area that's Sander Cohen, who is this like theater performance artist, slash visual artist who is, has you take photos of dead bodies and who is, um, effectively cast dead bodies in paper mache or something or sculpting yeah, pl- material. Plaster, yeah. Plaster uh, around his area. And that, that area still feels legit. Like it feels like the best part yeah. of the game because it's embracing what they're doing everywhere else, which is like, yeah, there's a reason for these bodies to be displayed in this very performative storytelling mm. way. But then you go to other mm. areas and it's like, okay, now the doctor likes to use bodies also as art um, and, like, (laughs) crucify them everywhere or, like, oh, now we're in, like, the town where, like, the proletariat rised up and they also like to use bodies as, like, warnings. And it's, like, at a certain point I was, like, 
man, I can't believe that I was like, I found this game like fun because it really is just like mangled corpses all they, the way they down. They definitely lean on that too hard, but I think that you're also discounting um, the the splicers, which are sort of the main enemies in the game. Um, you often catch like fragments of dialogue from them that I, I think help to paint a picture of what Rapture is. Um, and, and they're not, you can't necessarily... They're not reacting to things in the environment that you can see, um, so it gives this very fragmented, disorienting um, kind of vibe that I think they achieve a lot with that. See, I would um, have listened to them wise. more if their heads weren't made out of magnets that pulled my wrench right at their noggins. Oh, they love over getting hit by those wrenches, again. huh? Yeah, they, they love do. getting hit by wrenches. There's a disconnect I feel like between I think, and this is true of all the Bioshock games of uh, maybe less. Bioshock 2, which I haven't actually finished, but uh, there's always been a disconnect. It's of, great, like, by the way. It is very I've, great. Bioshock I've, 2 I've heard rules. Really the ending of Bioshock 2, Bioshock yeah. 1 is in conversation with the Fountainhead. Bioshock 2 is in conversation with Bioshock 1. Yes. And it's actually really it's great. Like, I, it's I, very I still really want to play it. But there's, there's, there's been a disconnect between like the storytelling and tone and all this stuff that they're doing and the gameplay of it. Uh, and maybe that's like, maybe that is the whiplash I was talking about earlier where you think about sort of more modern prestige games like the the comparison i kept coming back to was prey which is unfair because prey had you know uh 11 years of time of like this this genre being sort of fleshed out and new discoveries being made but prey i feel like you, you use the word slowly eases you in uh when talking about the intro to bioshock i feel like that is more fair to describe a more sort of modern take on this this game the, there is something about uh, just hopping right in and then all of a sudden having m- magic wizard powers to set shit on fire and shoot it with a Tommy gun that like f- always kind of felt and, and honestly I like Bioshock Infinite uh, still to this day like I still think it's a cool game that does like really like some of the best settings in a video game that has ever existed mm. but you cannot get over digging your fucking grinding blender claw into a dude's brain after like (laughs) oh wow that's a really pretty cover of that beach boy song to like i just fucking split that man's cabeza in half (laughs) and i feel like bioshock kind of suffers from that i'm gonna set up justin for the talking about the twist because i got i got the transition here we go this is the game that clint hawking he's the he was a very famous designer. He made Far Cry 2. He made Splinter Cell. Mm-hmm. He's working on Watch Dogs 3 right now. He also uh, wrote a blog for a while. Wrote the essay on ludonarrative dissonance. Oh, no. Yep. Oh, yeah, we're yeah. going to talk about Here it. Ludonarrative dissonance. Can we track when people Ludo, stop Ludo, listening Ludo, to the podcast? Ludonarrative dissonance, for everybody listening who wasn't reading blogs in 2007, was the hottest phrase of nerdy video game blogs in 2007. And the idea of this was that the Ludo, that's like the play in this game, made sense. You control a dude who just slaughters everybody to achieve his goals and the game is about randian philosophy which is just purely about self-interest great they nailed it the play matches like the theme of the game but the narrative doesn't make sense because the narrative is like hey you need to help atlas like do do all these like nice things that he's asking you to do like take care of his family which is the least randian thing possible so dissonant right or is it then ultra dissonant because what is the twist justin the twist is that seriously, if you haven't played Bioshock, you should probably stop listening. Uh, it's kind of two twists on uh, at the same time that are revealed to you. One being that your your helper, uh, the person who's been guiding you through the game, Atlas, is in actuality Frank Fontaine, uh, who is a 
a gangster basically who's in competition with with Ryan for control of uh, Rapture. Second is that you have been um, basically brainwashed into following the commands of anybody who uses a trigger phrase, which is "Would you kindly," which is something that you hear Atlas say a lot and and uh, is used to sort of like keep you in in order it's um, on the note two, on the present at the very beginning of the game which i absolutely love it's like my it's favorite. a cool play yeah on the airplane you see it on a piece of paper yeah. and you are the one who brings the airplane down it's a cool touch you are also andrew ryan's illegitimate son also that uh <laughs> which is another part of the twist and that i guess that is kind of at the same moment yeah like you you kind of get that triptych of of uh twists all hitting you at once i think that okay so two things that are interesting about that uh one briefly is that I think it really helped to ignite Bioshock because when it first came out, it was what you heard from so many people is like, you have to play it right now. Like you can't let anybody spoil it for you. You have to play it right away. And I think it led to a bigger rush of like uptake of this new IP um, a lot, a lot sooner than it maybe would have gotten otherwise. Um, Two, what I think is interesting about it and maybe isn't saying as much as it could but it's definitely like raising the question is drawing the parallel between you were taking the, you were basically like following marching orders and doing these atrocities without really thinking about it. You were murdering, I mean, dozens upon dozens of drug addicts um, without so much as blinking an eye. And you as the player were taking those actions because the game told you you had to. And then, in the moment, it's revealed that your character was also sort of doing the same thing. They were, you know, taking these actions and doing these terrible things because they were being mind controlled. I think that that is very interesting if the point they were trying to get to, and maybe they were, was like, are you, when you play video games, how much are you questioning what you're being mm-hmm. told to do? I think that that's very interesting and would have hit so much harder if that wasn't at the midpoint of the game, but rather the end. Because at the midpoint of the game, you get cured of the brainwashing, and then you're like, now I'm killing drug addicts for me. <laughs> that is a fair now, point. Now, this, one, this one is all me. I'm doing this because I, I am a man chooses, a slave obeys, and this man wants to kill lots of drug addicts. I mean, it's not at the midpoint. It is at the final act. It basically, like, there's it's maybe closer than you, It's it is, closer it's to the It's earlier than you fucking remember because the game is a slog from that point on. Like, once they drop all those on you, it's like, do you want to keep doing the same thing for another few hours? Okay, well, anyway, here's more of it. That should have been the end, we know, but you have to have, we have to have a big, giant boss fight at the end of it. And also it's 2007. So games have to be 20 hours long. <laughs> so here's the best we got. What'd you guys think? I mean, how did it, how did it hit you? I mean, that's, that's my take on it. I think yeah, it's interesting. I agree. It would be more interesting at the for, end of the game rather than the midpoint. So I, the, the point that Hawking made in, in this ludo narrative distance essay, which I think is like pretty spot on is for a game that is best remembered about its writing. It is weird and kind of frustrating that the twist is built on this kind of invisible contract with the player mm. that you don't ever have control. Like, like yes, it makes for a good twist, but it is it it's it's spotlighting arguably the biggest weakness of games 
is which games like want to pretend to be about you having free control but in reality they are like shaped shaped and sculpted and and linear to some degree by whatever the game designer is intended for you to do but is that a so, bad thing like that's not a I, that's I, I video think, games, I think right like i think it's i i i'm like mixed on it i don't know if i agree with him entirely but i think it is a little unusual in a game that is literally about free wit like about randy and things to have that but then not say anything more with it like it the, the problem for me is it feels like it starts to say something and then doesn't finish it. I don't I like I don't know what it's actually trying to say. It reminds me of Spec Ops Line, which I know a lot of people love, but is a game I just despise, which does a similar thing of like Oh, you did all these terrible things, but it was you, the player, who chose to drop napalm on innocent civilians. And then it's like, but also, like, we've got a multiplayer mode if you want to kill some more. <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay, okay, like you you made this game, y'all. Like what what are you trying to actually tell me? I think the message is also muddied by the little sisters, because and that's yeah the, that's yeah because yeah. the the okay so uh, again to if you don't know um, the one of the main sort of I don't know I, I guess antagonists of the game not really so these little girls have been turned into harvesters of Adam which is the drug that gives you superpowers in Rapture fair yeah and they have these defenders that are big daddies these big diving suit clad behemoths um that just protect them so you if you kill the big daddy you get the little sister and the little sister you can either kill the little girl harvest thank you uh the or rescue if you harvest you get more atom which is the the drug that gives you powers or if you rescue you get less atom but the, so that even that is is sort of blunted because you have plenty of atom if you rescue everybody you never feel the pinch like, you actually get better fine. rewards you that's why it's broken rewards. yeah yeah it's, but you you better, but yeah so to, it's, it's, to be fair they don't tell you that the rewards are going to be better at the but beginning it doesn't, that, it, it, it doesn't matter man i read an interview with ken levine where he he was talking about how he wanted it to be a bigger difference between the two but 2k felt like you can't penalize people like it's less fun mm. if you know that you could be more powerful and you know I, I don't agree with that but anyway the point is you're making this moral choice which i would i would argue is like very uh, not much of a moral choice do you want to kill a little girl <laughs> i don't actually wait wait she's squirming in your hand begging for you not to kill her and she looks like she's six years old do you want to kill her or no no okay that's a no it's not much of a moral choice but even the fact that you're able to make it sort of blunts the the what the rest of the game is talking about because you are making this moral choice about this but you aren't making mm. the moral choice about everything else you're doing and also atlas directly tells you it, wait he doesn't say would you kindly fair but atlas tells you like you should harvest these you should harvest her like you should do this yeah it's the right thing to do and then you don't do it so it's like well and then i feel Tenenbaum like introducing, is there right telling you like you should save yes, her there's a there's a character who's playing basically the angel on your yeah. shoulder. Is there a yeah. version of this game? It feels, by the way, kind of weird to relitigate Bioshock because it was <laughs> like it was. I was fucking head over heels in love with this game, and I still I enjoy still playing think it. it's one of the I most still, impactful I, games ever made. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. If so you want to read cool. some effusive writing about Bioshock, Google the year two thousand seven, and then look we'll, at your monitor will melt. <laughs> uh, 
But is there a version of this game where after the twist, after the reveal, there could be more subtle sort of uh, uh, changes to the world and the way it looks and the way that you are able to interact with it that sort of reinforces the point? Like, even if it's something as simple as, like, the splicers not looking like these mutant zombies, but more like actual sort of people uh and then like the it, now it's not you have this 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 trigger word in your brain that turns you into a killer psychopath now you actually kind of have to confront the the reality of what you're doing that's maybe a grim like take on on what the game could be but it i think would be a much more effective way of sort of getting its point across i think that's a big problem with bioshock replaying it is i think after the twist there is very much i don't know i i think that it is i i uh, in talking to people after this game was released, I think part of it was budget and scoping. Yeah. Like they just didn't have the time. That's why the final boss is such garbo. Cause like God, they didn't have sucks. the time to like actually implement everything that they wanted to with it. Yeah. But I really think that after the twist, the game's like, now let's play some fucking video games. <laughs> like yeah. there's a bad guy. There's a good guy. Let's go fucking get him. Yeah. I mean, this game began as Nazi Island. Like, that was, like, the origins of it. They, they spent so much time working on this game that by the time they had to ship, I think it was like, okay, y'all have had a lot of time to figure this out. Um, On on the stuff after Andrew Ryan and, like, how to do it a better way, I apologize. I don't remember which game designer came up with this, and I'll put it on Twitter once I can Google it after the show. But there was an idea of, like, how do you fix the ending? Um, And a lot of people were talking about it back in 2007. And I think the big thing is the reason the ending doesn't work in the in the current game is you kill andrew ryan you're forced to do it and then you uh have to like remove whatever like the thing is in your body that makes you controlled by would you kindly right Mm -hmm. um but you're still listening to people like you you now you just do what tannenbaum says like you're effectively constantly just shifting masters yeah um so which the game points out yeah which which yeah it says (laughs) yeah and 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 so that like that shift happens the other shift that happens is until this point in the game largely the story has taken place in the past you are discovering everything that happened here um and it, every everything that you're coming across is stuff that's you know the decisions were already made and you're right. learning about it through audio logs and suddenly once you become the star of rapture the game shifts to the present and i just don't think like at the time they quite knew how they wanted to handle that in a shooter mm-hmm. like the audio log stopping a crutch um, and then the third thing, the the bi- so there are these bio chambers that revive you right throughout the whole game. Whenever you die, you you can immediately be uh, saved by a, a bio chamber, and it's like the way that you I can think it's spend- vita 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 chamber. Vita chamber like yeah. it just it just it just it it's fills up with the vitamins that all human beings are made of. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, but you can do that to like just immediately spam big daddies to kill them. But at the end of this game, you effectively become a big daddy, right? Yeah. So the idea that I, I'd seen floating around was the way this game really should end is Frank Fontaine becomes you. You're a big daddy now. And Frank Fontaine now has the gene code because the gene code of the Vita Chambers are tied to you slash Andrew Ryan. And that it would flip, that he would become the person who has the gene chambers. So suddenly the boss fight is you can kill Frank Fontaine. But there are infinite Frank Fontaines. So you are effectively trying to help the little girls get out of Rapture while dealing with, like, swarms of no longer drug dealer enemies. It's just Frank Fontaine, but he's endless. 
And the yeah, only but that way would to... look very goofy. Come on, and, that no, would well, I, I mean, that'd be fucking radical. Be rad. And then the that. way that you have to kill him, because the only way to stop this would be to flood all of Rapture, because that would be literally the only way that you can stop it. Which would be him. The ending, like the scene that the designer said, was would be like underwater him dying from drowning and then immediately a vita chamber lighting up and him being thrown back into the ocean <laughs> dying from drowning just over and over That'd and over into funny. eternity yeah i mean i i like that to me feels it's a way of not doing what the game does in actuality which is you literally fight the book cover for atlas shrugged yeah yeah which is also the whole wild i i think that we are all cognizant of this but i want to like put a point out like i don't want us to come across as we're coming back and turning our noses up at what bioshock is because you have to remember how much it was how like how far they were pushing against what video games were Mm -hmm. at that point like i think there is so much of a broader palette to choose from when you're making a video game in 2020 versus 2007 uh just in terms of like what video games are what players will accept the the um the vocabulary that we have with with games you know like the the idea of uh um games that are just environmental storytelling are you know, that are like you know just exploring a world and 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 gaining the story like i i think that um i don't want it to come across as we're like now turning a critical eye and saying like yeah bioshock was actually crap the entire time because i just think it's it's more interesting to look at it back in that light but it's not a I mean, I, I don't think that any of this is necessarily a a criticism of the Bioshock that that is because I think it's still really important. It's yeah. criticism in the truest word, right? Like that's what's good about this game is it gives you a lot to actually critique. <laughs> There's actually yeah. stuff to talk about. And and I also make just to make the comparisons like last week when we were talking about Call of Duty, like I think it's similar in the sense of like Call of Duty defined a generation of that sort of game, and Bioshock did the same exact thing. Like yes. games that are still coming out today are absolutely directly inspired by Bioshock. Like I, I like Dishonored is a franchise that I absolutely adore and I fully see so much Bioshock and Dishonored. Absolutely. Um, but it's obviously an evolution of this model where the gameplay is like, I think a lot better, uh, I, you know, story you could argue. There's DNA there too. I know like Sean Elliott, for example, was on right. Bioshock. Right. And, and there's on. Looking Glass team members. There's a lot of worked people. On. Yeah, so there's like game. a lot of connection there, but um yeah i mean that's the thing to go back also, to is, I, I, this oh, yeah. is the go ahead, progenitor go for a lot of that stuff. i i i want to i feel like i've been the most critical of all uh which is which is you know whatever i i feel like the point that would be unfair to make here is that the thing that maybe surprised me the most is how much fucking fun just the combat is which like yeah, <laughs> i want to talk about mechanics like very yeah. briefly ludo narrative really dissonance it. is is one thing but like that using your shocking power and then smashing somebody with a wrench is still <laughs> yeah. the hottest shit that you, <laughs> like you can give me the, the same thing happened this time as what happens every time which is like here's your slug shotgun here's your here's your tommy gun here's your grenade launcher and it's like fuck it fuck that get out of here get out of here i want those tonics they give me extra inch power yeah. and I want to hit somebody with an electrobolt and stun them and then whap them over the head with my <laughs> wrench and then like move on and it yeah. still feels good I do it to flying robots even when it doesn't make sense I'm like a, trying to kill a bat with a tennis racket like it is the it is still feels so fucking good and I was surprised by that because I, I the first 15 minutes I was like god all this gameplay is getting in the way of all the great storytelling that I remember and then it was like give me some more drug dealers to just <laughs> zap and yeah. smash baby yeah uh, there is also I really like the uh, the ability to turn turrets and uh, security cameras 
to to yeah. you to your side because it's there's very little more, more satisfying than like a splicer running at you and it's just like oh yeah cool me my army of flying gun bots they follow <laughs> me around everywhere and handle my light work um except that eventually uh you realize that if you have to hack one more thing uh yeah. you will cry and you i just started hitting them with a wrench because i didn't i couldn't hack more yeah that was another thing they fixed in bioshock 2 bioshock 2 has a much better faster hacking system there's uh, yeah. i would say a lot of the gameplay mechanics which are still okay uh get dramatically better in bioshock 2 um and also just a plug for bioshock minerva's den which is probably oh, yeah. the best standalone bioshock story that's ever been told maybe it's very yeah. very good um, I just wanted to provide a little more context to, uh, wow, things have changed. Um, in 2007, Bioshock won the Game of the Year award at the Spike Video Game Awards. They announced this um, with a woman, a, a nude model in body paint with Bioshock written on it. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and and uh, Ken Levine was unable to accept the, war- the award um, because members of Gamecock the studio Gamecock stormed stormed the stage, um, and he was he was never able to what accept the a award. little time capsule you have presented. Wow. Two thousand seven was wild. Yeah, what was a, a wild time. It was a time. That was a time. Uh, we have had a time talking about Bioshock, but we're not done with the show. There's so much more show to come. Uh, so stick around with us, and uh, we'll be right back. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week rocket money they make it so easy to get your personal finances on track and especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need keep the ones you want get rid of the rest here's how it works rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending and helps lower your bills they'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20 percent all you have to do is take a picture of your bill and rocket money takes care of the rest that might sound too good to be true i have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments i have and it's worked which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rocketmoney.com slash besties you go get a phone you just want a phone talk to your friends and family you're not asking so much then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech you know the contract may sound good uh, up front but there's always some sort of catch you know who's not going to do that to you not going to pull that nonsense mint mobile their wireless plans, there is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution to save some, put the bucks back in your pocket? 
to pay 15 bucks a month. Say bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, the unexpected overages. Sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode of The Besties is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up, you just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi, and once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old, I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old, and they both love their Aura frames, and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family, all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back. Uh, that was a great commercial. Uh, <clears throat> I am, uh, hi, hi. Hi, I'm, my name is Greg. Um, I'm, uh, well, I'm, I don't want to brag, but I'm a senior vice president at uh, 2K Games, and we're working on Bioshock 3, um, which is a, it's a funny title because it's not the third Bioshock. We know, we've heard from the fans, um, and we're working on that. Um, but anyway, uh, all it seems we like do an easy, know, Greg, it seems like an easy fix. It no, seems like you just changed the number. <laughs> We've talked with marketing, and the numbers prove out that Bioshock 3 is the... It's a trilogy. Um, well, not really a trilogy, because there are more <laughs> games than 3. It's, it's something we're working on. Anyway, we, we know that Elon Musk is very cool with the kids these days, with the Joe we Rogans and the, and the 420s, um, and mm-hmm. the babies. Mm-hmm. Um, so we thought... That we would want the the next Andrew Ryan to be a Elon Musk type, but that's basically all we have. Um, so we were hoping that you, the besties, which we we don't know much about you other than that you're the best, um, that you might have some ideas about the setting of this new Bioshock. You've been working on this game for a while, and that's all you've that's all you've come up with you don't have any like artists or nobody's making the guns yet titles are the hardest part we believe okay that seems weird um well it's funny you say an elon must type 
that's like but the new andrew ryan is an elon musk type like i don't know that it was much for much of a reach there i think he probably started out pretty damn yeah. close we take the austin powers to austin powers two kind of road where it's sure. kind okay. of the same game okay right got it right that's fun um okay here's let me hit you guys let me just fire it off okay this time rapture it's still rapture but this time rapture is at a water park okay so you still have the wet element Mm. but what are you what am i adding with this well one you get to ride all the slides as much as you want because everybody else is dead that's huge no lines people love it secondly it's wet like rapture that will feel familiar thirdly though sexy beautiful people in sun-drenched setting bikinis speedos they were dead hunky guys and gals i mean really filling out those suits you know what i mean sex sells and this is going to be the sexiest bioshock yet now because every splicer looks sexy it looks sexy and like the test the 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 sort of like elon must stand in is like he looks sexy too. Like everybody's like so really hot. We we we, like we so really sexy. respect a creative vision and like listen, we don't give notes per se, but we're just wondering if maybe to get it a little more Tesla, these sexy people are actually just sexy cars. Kind of like the movie Cars, which made a can, lot of money for can, Disney. Can they be can they be cars with sick yabos and ding dongs? Yeah. Yes. See, this is the type of cooperation that we're looking for. Let me hit you with this. There's a lot of piranhas at this water park. It's Mm. chock-a-block full of piranhas. They're having trouble finding room to spawn or whatever because there's just like so many piranhas in the water. And so the government tries to shut down Elon Musk's water park. Sorry, Elon Musk type. We need another name for him. (laughs) Devin Devin Sint. And uh, Devin Stink has this water park that's full of piranhas. (laughs) Government shuts him down. And he starts yelling as loud as he can like, the government can't shut down my piranha-filled water park. It's totally safe. <laughs> this sucks. This is check out all my sick uh, cars with all the sexy body parts and yabos and ding dongs on them. This is illegal. Now, I- would it have been would it have been sweet in the first Bioshock? Is every time he shot a wall, there was a huge gush of water filled with piranhas just pouring onto the enemies. Blasting on this is a, a, a just a kind of question for clarification. These piranhas. Are they also little cars with yabos and ding-dongs? Yeah, that should go without saying, yeah, if you've been paying attention to the pitch. And and, and for the record, you can fuck the piranhas as well. If you, (laughs) yeah, if you, yeah. You need a perk to be able to do it. uh, Yeah, and it gives you extra health. Got it, got it. Well, this sounds really interesting. We, we're just yes. so happy that you could make time um, and we will think about it. And I just want to be honest with you. We're meeting with lots of other podcasts, kind of funny, um, the, beyond. We think there's a lot of good ideas out there. So we'll get back to you in the next three to four years. Well, just real quick. I do know that y'all like it when it's based on books. And you do a lot of Ayn Rand. I thought we'd go a different way. And this time, sort of the main sort of literary influence will be Super Fudge. (laughs) So we're going to tackle Elon through the lens of Super Fudge. You have no Um, response to that. It's so good. Print it, baby. Print it, baby. Do we have any reader mail? Um, 
We do. Oh, hi, everybody. We have lots back. of questions. Oh, hi, Chris. Hi, Welcome plant. back. You, you missed, missed a really it. funny rich. segment. Yeah. Yeah? Cool. Um, hey, here's some here's some reader mail. Uh, so Bioshock, the I guess the trilogy, is coming out on Nintendo Switch, like at the end of the month. Um, Ooh. So both Kathleen and Sackstab on Twitter um, want to know, you know, what are our feelings on Bioshock versus Bioshock Infinite or, or really... You know, is it worth going back and revisiting these three games in the year 2020? I think a lot I think of it is. I think it definitely is. I agree. Uh, I just, I mean, A, as we were just talking about, Bioshock is still fun. But I also think a ton of people did not play Bioshock 2. I really think it was like very unheralded. Uh, and uh, I don't actually know if it's in the pack, but I- if Minerva's Den is in the pack, Damn, play Minerva's I Den. think it is. I think for me it was the, you played it as big, uh, you're a big daddy in Bioshock 2, right? Yes. And the big daddy part in Bioshock 1 was my least favorite part of Bioshock 1. I literally think that is the hang up I've always had with Bioshock 2. Yeah, but, but you, I guess it, it plays and controls completely differently. And I, I, I know, I know. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a preposterous distinction, but that is what like turned me off of it. And it's been like a, a completely arbitrary uh, uh, like roadblock for me. Yeah. So I would I would definitely recommend it. I think play the beginning of Bioshock Infinite. I don't think the rest of the game holds as much water, <laughs> but that's just me personally. You effectively uh, get yeah, it for I, free. You know what? I haven't returned to Infinite. Yeah, I haven't returned to Infinite since the beginning. I will echo what uh, Russ said about Bioshock Two. It's I think it's great. I mean, I honestly, honestly, um, really, really, genuinely great. Infinite. I just it completely slipped out of my. I feel like I should almost return to it because it, it has completely evacuated my my mental space. Yeah. I think if I, I I would be curious to return to it, with, in, it coming at it from the mindset that it's not going to be the greatest story ever told. Like sure. if I if I approach mm-hmm. it from that perspective and I just treat it as like a sort of roller coaster with like really 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 cool set pieces and like kind of neat sci-fi ideas then talk about impossible expectations yeah. i know yeah. yeah holy shit yeah i i think it's also a lot of the things that i disliked about infinite were in bioshock but just not as visible to me so like the thing that yeah. really bothered me about infinite is the both sidesism which is like you're killing these racist, you know, ghouls. Um, but then later in the game, it's like, yeah, but also the revolutionaries, they're not so hot either, right? Yeah. And, and I i was surprised, and I didn't remember this with Bioshock 1, that, like, it's weird. It's a critique of, of these um, objectivists. But then the plot is also like, yeah, but the people who clean the toilet, they're going to come and kill you all. And they're also just greedy, yeah, you know, you know monsters with avarice. And it's like, ah. The, the, the whole side of them is uh, it's weak but yes these games are fun even if you ignore or forgive or you know make do with the politics in them um yeah. another question from cj uh for me the city of rapture is one of the most memorable settings in video games the sunken randian dystopia is equal parts unsettling and awe-inspiring the setting makes a great game incredible what are your absolute favorite settings in video games Ooh, Ooh. hmm the Mushroom Ooh. Kingdom. Oh my gosh! So much range. Uh, I think it's fantastical or real. Real. I think world. either is fine. Uh, this I, may okay. just be recency bias, but Midgar is still so mm. like crystallized in my mind as being like a a 
just a really fucking solid place that a video game takes. Like everything ties back into Midgar and the 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 tone of that game and uh, everything that they are trying to do is encapsulated in this one huge city. And I think that that's like kind of incredible. Um, yeah, I've got kind of a deep cut, but it actually connects to this game and what we've been talking about. And it is Shalebridge Cradle in Thief Deadly Shadows. Oh. Shelbridge Cradle it was an orphanage in this uh, Thief game, which is really good. Definitely go back and play it. Uh, the level was designed by Jordan Thomas, who uh, worked on a lot of these games. Um, all of them. <laughs> all, all of them, essentially. Games, yeah. um, and um, one of the scary, like freakiest uh, levels I've ever played. There's almost no combat in it, but really spectacular. Um, it is towards the end of Thief Deadly Shadows, which is still a good game. I don't know how the entire thing holds up, but it has stuck with me ever since I played it and really a uh, fantastic level. Justin, how about you? This is uh, maybe slightly uh, outside the, the scope of what we're talking about here, but um, New York as represented by Spider-Man games is one that like I go mm-hmm. back to a lot just to sort of like be in the environment. Um, I think especially the newest one, but like you can go back to, to, to a lot of the different open world Spider-Man games that I think that this new one does it the best, obviously, but um, I'm, I really love being in New York as yeah. stupid as that sounds uh, as somebody who grew up in West Virginia. Like it's some place I really like idealize is sort of like the center, the center of everything and being able to like virtually go there in a Spider-Man game was like a big deal for me. Um, and, and so it's, it's one that like, I still kind of, like return to and 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 check out yeah for me uh all the forza horizon games they're like my favorite open worlds kind of similar to just cause but they're they're i guess the inversion of what you're talking about justin those are my um vacation escapes especially while living Mm -hmm. in new york it's like oh here's just big big open spaces that you can tear through high speeds I was wrong because uh, I panicked and I wanted a good answer. Mine is for sure, for sure, for sure. Inaba in uh, Persona Four, Persona Four Golden. Inaba, oh, like I, I want to live there. I want to be. I want to summer good. there. Um, I got one more question. This one's from Kyle. <clears throat> now that you're looking back on 2007 with hindsight, is there anything you prefer about gaming back then uh, when compared to 2020? I definitely miss the immediacy of playing games as soon as you put the disc in, as opposed to large and lengthy day one installs. Oh yeah, I mean that's I guess I, I feel like pre uh, pre downloads. I feel like any game that comes out these these days that like I'm excited about is very easy to pre download. I feel like I have not had to do that wait in a long long time. But I do um, the thing that like doesn't really happen as much anymore was that was that was kind of the beginning of the era of indie games, like especially yeah. console indie games. Um, mm. And I remember there were so few of them that I would get so jazzed about stuff like Summer of Arcade and like these big blocks of like indie releases yeah. um, that doesn't happen anymore. And I don't think it's because the games are worse. I just think they're way more frequent. Um, so they, there isn't this like spike of like, wow, I've been waiting a year for this thing that's finally going to come out of like a random indie game that I'd never played before. So y'all. I saw everything there was to see in three games this month. Portal, Modern yeah. Warfare, Bioshock. It rules to be able to complete a video game like a book and be like, that was it. I, I got what they wanted me to get out of this and I enjoyed it and I don't have like another hundred hours 
of collecting various things in an open world to get a, a mission that I know I won't care about. Obviously, that's like a place of privilege. There's so much uh, value in games at this point. Value in the sense that like you can drop 60 bucks or nothing and play forever. Um, but y'all, it was so cool <laughs> to, to, to like just enjoy a full artistic vision under... 10 to 12 hours Spe- speaking of which when are we gonna play assassin's creed because two weeks from now <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm pipe saving that um i think that that, that it was easier for games to sort of surprise you in in like or in 2007 i think that like that we sort of overanalyze uh every detail of games uh and and pick them apart a lot more uh, then in 2007, I think that there, there were more surprises. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd be happy with just video games coming out. Honestly, <laughs> I would just miss video games. That would be pretty cool. Speaking. Yeah. Yeah. If there was video games next week, I, this fight that we have begun will finally be finished <laughs> by us. We're going to finish the fight. The final Halo game. Everybody misses this franchise. Finish the fight. Halo three. We're going back to finish what we started with Chief, Reggie, Cordy, the whole gang. <laughs> uh, taking the flood right out of this big old loop we call Halo. Uh, so we hope that you'll join us for that adventure if you, how can you uh, how can are we, so inclined. How can we play it? Is there an easy way to play Halo 3? Is on, it on Xbox. I, I don't believe Halo 3 is on PC yet. I believe they're only up to Halo 1, 2, and Reach. So it's on. Is that a joke? <laughs> Do they really come, just put it out? Just put it out on. Please just put it. Out. Why? Or we're going for Halo Three on PC? Is that real? It's real. Just put it out. <laughs> but basically, it'll Let run. People play. It'll run on an Xbox One. Uh, yeah, okay, that was yeah, the anniversary edition. Yeah, we'll play with a mouse and keyboard like it was intended to be played on the Macintosh computer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so check that out if you want to share some some thoughts about that franchise uh, mail at besties.fan is our email address um, and uh, besties.fan is also a link you can share if you want to share the show with folks it goes right to Spotify where you can follow and listen for free exclusively there which you know already because you're listening to us uh, but we hope that you will maybe share the show with a friend you can do this it week. this is a fun yeah. do it on Twitter and follow us on Twitter, on Twitter at the Besties Pod. Yeah. If you want to join our mailing yeah. list, um, it is the pinned tweet right there. You will be the first to know what other games we'll be covering soon. Um, things like Halo Three and Assassin's Creed, and uh, play some of Assassin's Creed first, then stop, play Halo Three, and then go back for the Assassin's Creed. I think I might go go that Why? way. Just to Let break me know up if you get it running. Creed I'm playing. I have not gotten Assassin's Creed to run on my PC yet, so that's Uh-oh. cool. Yeah, too many buildings. Oh, no. That was shoot. We'll have to play something else. We should compare notes about this. About um, boy, I tell you, uh, real quick. Okay, super quick. I do want to say because I know this is the end of the show. The Bioshock remaster is dog shit. It, and I know that I'm four years late to that conversation. It sucks. I had to play the original version, which still looks great, by the way, I it, on, on modern PCs. Although it really, 
Bioshock 2007, actually, Ken Levine came up on my screen and says, your monitor is so fucking wide, Justin. I said, I know, Ken. He said, I never intended for this. This is not my vision. See, it's so see, wide. There's a boom mic in the show. <laughs> yeah. Ken is standing to the side like, more corpses. Oh, we didn't talk um, about Jeff Keighley being in the remaster. Okay, well, oh. there's a there's a lot. So Maybe sad. we'll do a second episode on this. The remaster's really bad. I had so many problems I couldn't get it to run. It crashes all the time. Everybody on the internet hates it. Uh, th- thank you for listening. That is the end of the show. Be sure to join us again next time for the besties. Because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games? is a Spotify original podcast in association with Vox Media. The show is edited by Jelani Carter. And our theme song is by Ian Dorsch. Besties!